0: Today, uh, we're all remembering that awful day, uh, 21 years ago today, when those planes, uh, planes really were hijacked uh, in several different parts of our country. And people boarded those planes that day, uh, not aware that uh, they were doomed from the, really from the moment they, they left home. And uh, terrorists took those planes and, and used them as weapons and uh, drove them uh, into buildings uh, and attempted to do other things with them. Uh, but it was a disaster, a disaster that took place in our nation that we uh, don't ever need to forget, and certainly we remember it today. We remember those people. We honor their memory, and and uh, we, we pray that something like that would never happen again. But it was a, a disaster. But in some ways it was a predictable disaster, a disaster that we've been talking about in the book of Romans, because Paul said when Adam sinned, he unleashed that disaster and every other disaster that ever happened on planet earth. That's what he has been telling us all through this time. So we just look, at, look back at Romans chapter 5, verse 12, where Paul said, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, So death spread to all men because all sin, the sin of that one man, left us all doomed to sin and death. So what I've been trying to help you see over the last week is as just as those buildings collapsed after the attack from those planes, even so, when Adam sinned, the infrastructure of the human soul collapsed into ruin. But what you can't see is that in some ways that collapse is is not yet complete just as those towers pancake downward one floor on top of another so the disaster begun by Adam's sin is really a disaster in progress the doom is still upon us because of it the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death and people are still dying and so what happened to those buildings really is a picture of what happened when Adam sinned, there was this collapse, there was this disaster, it happens to society, it's why the wrath of God is coming. So last week we compared uh, being, we talked about, and Paul has been talking about being in Adam or being in Christ. When you're, you're born in Adam, you were part of Adam, you were connected to Adam, but when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ from that moment forward, you're connected to to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we sort of looked at being on a plane or in a plane as, as giving sort of a, a crude illustration to, to help you understand about what that was like, a plane that's that's going to crash, a plane that's going to make it. And so I called you last week, out of Adam, I challenged you to come out of Adam if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, and to do so to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That will change your destiny For all eternity. So once Adam sinned, Paul is telling us in the book of Romans, every person from that day forward lived under the power of sin. Sin reigned. Death reigned. No man was ever able to break the power of sin or death. No one was able to do that but one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He and he alone was able to live without sin. Have you been able to accomplish that in your life? I don't think so. But the Lord Jesus accomplished that. He was sinless. He defeated every temptation. What was the ultimate? What do you suppose was the ultimate temptation he faced? Well, I would suggest to you that it was the temptation not to die. But Paul said he was obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. And even while he was on the cross... He was tempted to hate the people that crucified him. But he didn't even do that. The Bible said, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He died on that cross. He died for our sins. But Paul says something else that that you need to see in verse 10 of the 6th chapter of Romans. This is what Paul said, and this is very important for our discussion today. And it's important, connected to what Paul said last week. He said, for the death... That he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Okay, Jesus died on the cross, what happened on the third day? God raised him from the dead and now Jesus lives every day. He, he died to sin, but he lives to God. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. This means that for the first time, sin was finally and fully defeated. Sin's power was broken. Death as sin's penalty was broken. Not only did he defeat sin, he defeated death. No one else has been able to do that. No one can do that. No one can do that. As Adam opened the door for sin to enter the world, Paul is telling us that Christ broke the back of sin, defeated it, died to it, conquered it, conquered death as evidence that sin itself had been conquered. Now last week we, we looked at uh, Paul's extensive argument about what it means when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by some means that we, we don't understand completely, but it's the truth of scripture. We accept it as the truth of scripture. The Holy Spirit places me in Christ, plunges me into Christ. We talked about the cucumber that becomes a pickle by baptism. You actually the old Greek recipe for a cucumber was dip it in boiling water and then baptize it in vinegar. And it didn't mean to put it in and take it out. It meant to put it meant to put it in and place it in. And so Paul said, we've been baptized into Christ. Placed into Christ. We were baptized into his death. Our old self was crucified with him. We were buried with him by baptism into death. And so he said Christ died to sin. Let's look now uh, at, at verses 10 through 14, at all those verses together, looking at Paul's argument. His logic is this. When I was in Adam, all the consequences of Adam's sin and disobedience were mine. Sin, condemnation, judgment, death, Separation from God. But in Christ, all the consequences of Christ's death on the cross are mine. All the consequences of his resurrection are mine. He died to sin. He lives to God. When he died to sin, I died to sin. When he rose from the dead, I've been raised to walk in the newness of life. This all results from my position. I'm in Christ positionally, positionally, these things are true. We talked about that positionally last week. This week, we want to talk about how that works out practically in our lives because that's really what we're interested in. What is the practical outworking of these truths in my life? And we find them as we begin to read in verses 10 through 14 of Romans chapter 6. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God every day. Christ lives to God. He died to sin. Have you ever seen a dead dog chase a cat? A dead dog has no interest in chasing a cat. A dead dog has no passion to chase a cat. He says here, he died to sin. He no longer has any passion for sin. Sin has no power over him sin no longer can tempt the Lord Jesus Christ he broke the back of sin he died the sin and he lives to God every day he lives to God every day he lives to the glory of God this is the passion of his life the purpose of his life he lives he raised from the dead he lives he lives to God every day that that that, that is crucial to our understanding what comes next verse 11 He says, so you also, Christ died to sin and he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace so you see here paul's emphasis thus far has been on the death of christ he died on the cross when he, died, when, he died, when he did, he died to sin. It is something he accomplished. He died to sin. I can't accomplish that. You can't accomplish it. Nobody was ever able to defeat sin, but Jesus Christ, he defeated sin. He defeated death. Now he lives to God. That's the obvious emphasis of verse 10. But look at verse 11. Based on this argument, Paul says, So you also. Remember, we've been talking about in Adam, so you also, in Christ, so you also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. This means that based on what He accomplished, understand this, based on what Jesus accomplished and what only He can accomplish, so you also reckon or consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What is he saying here? He said, because Christ has defeated sin and death and now lives to God, you must act in faith, accepting the fact that these things are also true in your life. Last week, we referenced Galatians 2.20. Many of you know Galatians 2.20. You can quote it by heart. Paul said, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not i but christ liveth in me christ liveth in me christ lives in you if you put your faith in the lord jesus christ jesus christ lives in you what kind of life does christ jesus live he lives to god he lives to god every day do you see this picture Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. As he said, he made that argument. Dead, buried, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want a practical application for that? Here it is. Here's the first point in the message. There are only three, and they're going to come quickly from this point. You must accept by faith that you are dead to sin and alive to God, not based on anything that you can do or by any power that you have, but based on the power of the living Lord Jesus Christ, who himself died to sin and rose again by his power. Now, how is this different from what I know to be true of my own efforts practically? Well, obviously, Christ lives to God. He lived in victory over sin while he walked on this earth. He died to sin and now he lives to God. Sin has no more power over him. And because he has the power to live in victory over sin, if he lives in you, you have the power to live in victory over sin. That is the way he lived his life every day. And he lives to God that way. Paul had no power to live in victory over sin. I have no power to live in victory over sin. Not personally, but Christ has that power. If we consider this in terms of being on the plane or in the plane, then depending on the plane I'm on, whatever happens to the plane happens to me. And when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. I don't have the power to fly, but when I'm on the plane, I rest myself in the power of the engines and in the skill of the pilot, and in the case of being in Christ, I am to rest myself in Christ's power to give me victory over sin. If you get up every morning and say, man, I'm going to whip the devil today. I just feel like I'm on top of the world and I can whip the devil. No sooner than you walk out the door, you will fall flat on your face Because that is not a power that you have. It is only a power that Christ has. And if he lives in you, then Christ in you will give you power to live in victory. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength So you shall consider yourself, according to verse 11, dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a simple illustration. In one of the storms on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples were in the boat alone. Jesus came in the middle of the storm walking on the water. You remember that story. The disciples saw him. They thought he was a ghost. It got in Peter some way to say, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. I don't know what Peter was thinking, but that's what he said. And so Jesus said, come on, can Peter walk on water? No, Peter can't walk on water. Did Peter walk on water? Yes, Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. Miraculously, Peter walked on the water. He did exactly what Jesus was doing. He was walking triumphantly over the waves, just like Jesus until he took his eyes off Jesus. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He sank. And that's what happens to us often in life. We think we can do it on our own. We think we can pretty well live in victory. We think we've got the Christian life all figured out, and all we have to do is live every day depending on our own strength and not depending on Christ's power. And as soon as we do what happens to us, we sink But Christ in us will give us the power to live in victory. That's what Paul wants you to see here. The power to live in victory over sin is not in you. It's in him. Paul said, not I, but Christ. It is not in what you can accomplish. It is what he has accomplished. You're in Christ. Like being on the plane, if the plane flies, I fly. Not because it's in my power. I rest myself in the power of the engines and the skill of the pilot. So it is for those who are in Christ. The power is his, the victory is his, not I, but Christ. Now, do you believe that? Well, Paul said in verse 11, you must believe it. You must, so you also, as he died to sin and lives to God, so you also must consider yourselves, reckon yourselves, decide, yes, I'm also dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, that's the outworking of this in my life. The power is mine, potentially, but not automatically. Look at verse 12. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Here's the second point. Not only must I accept the truth of what Paul is saying as a fact, it is a fact, I must act on that truth. Now let's imagine that down here on the Lord's Supper table we have a box and in that box is a shiny silver toaster, brand new. One of those that you might like to set on your kitchen cabinet. A shiny silver toaster. We got the shiny silver toaster because we wanted to make some Pop-Tarts or we wanted to make some Eggo waffles or we wanted to toast a bagel Or maybe we just wanted to make a piece of plain old toast. So we take the toaster out of the box and we sit the shiny silver toaster on the table and we get two pieces of bread and we pop the bread in the toaster and we mash down the little black handle on the back of the toaster and set the little dial for the setting. I like my toast sort of dark. My wife likes her toast sort of light. But I'm going to set it sort of midway so we'll both like it. And so we set the toaster, and we sit there, and we wait. We look at our watch, and after a while, nothing happens. The, the toast doesn't pop up, and we look down in the toaster, and, and, and the toaster is not even on, silly us. We forgot to plug the toaster into the outlet. The toaster has no power. The same thing is true in the Christian life. Paul says, silly you. You can live in power over sin, But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to act. You're going to have to plug into the power. Don't allow sin to reign in your life. Don't allow it to use you, to abuse you. Let Christ reign in you. Let Christ live in you. But you have to act on that. Even the disallow of your sins and passions must come through Christ's power. I access that power by faith. I'm not to allow sin to reign in me. I'm to allow Christ to reign in me. Now look at verse 10 again in verse 11 and verse 12. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So first, I am to accept by faith, the truth presented. Paul laid it out in great detail. Dead to sin, Christ dead to sin. You buried with Christ, baptized into his death. The old man crucified so that you might walk in the newness of life. So consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Second, I'm to act on my faith with conscience, conscious resistance against the devil and against sin. Depending on Christ, who lives in me to give me power, I am crucified with Christ. Paul said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now we look at verses 13 and 14. And then consider our last point in the message this morning. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Now imagine that. Just imagine that. Just imagine the last phrase there in verse 15. You, I get a picture suddenly of Lazarus dead in his tomb. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You know that story. And Lazarus came out still wrapped in his grave clothes. Death defeated, but still in bondage. And Jesus looked at those around him and said to them, Loose him and let him go. Sin is no longer your master. But part of this depends on you. Part of this depends on you responding to what the scripture says here. In The, the King James says, do not yield yourselves. And in the English Standard Version, it says, don't present yourselves. And it means to place something nearby. So let's just say you've got an axe. What do you do with an axe? You chop wood. That's what you do with an axe. You swing it and you chop wood with it. Now, let's just say you've got an axe and you wake up in the morning and you see a homicidal maniac and you put the axe within reach of the homicidal maniac. That would be a stupid thing to do, would it not? What's he going to do with it? We don't even want to think about that. Instead, I want to take that ax and I want to put it over here out of his reach, but maybe within the reach of somebody who can protect me, and I won't have to worry about what's going to happen. And Paul says, if you take the, the members of your body and you put them down beside sin and you say, here, see if you can reach out and take me and use me for what you want to do, do you know what sin will do with you? exactly what a homicidal maniac will do with you destroy you destroy your family destroy your reputation leave you guilty ashamed is that what you want to happen Paul said that doesn't have to happen you don't have to do that don't present any member of your body your hands your feet your eyes your tongue don't your mind don't give it to sin to use instead get up in the morning and say, God, here's my feet, here's my hands, here's my ears, here's my eyes, here's my mouth, my mind, my body, every member of it, God, would you use it for your honor and your glory? You have the choice to do that because sin is no longer master over you. One person said, it's sort of like, you know, you, you're a slave. You were once a slave and uh, you worked for a master and now you're not a slave anymore, and you have your own land and you're working in your, or you're working for a new master, and you're working in his field, and across the road is your old master in his field, and he keeps beckoning you to come over and work in his field. You say, No, I don't have to come over there. I don't have to come. I, I work for a new master. You're no longer my master. I don't have to serve you anymore. I'm not in dominion under you anymore. I have a new power in my life. I have a new presence in my life. I'm dead to you. I have no desire to be with you. I have no desire for what you can offer. Your passions no longer interest me because I know they only cause me hurt and pain. What I want is what my new master can give me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that he lives, he lives to God. And I choose by faith. Now, what do you think? How is this so? Well, let me ask you something. Everybody here who's saved, who's trusted Jesus as your Savior, you would tell me, I'm going to heaven when I die. How do you know that? You say, I know that by faith. I'm standing on the promises of God's word. God's word says... The Bible says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I believe it. The Bible believes it. God said it. The the Bible says it, and that settles it. It's the same here. God has said it. Sin no longer has dominion over you. When you put your faith in Christ, you are dead to sin and alive to God. Christ lives in you, and the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also. Let's pray.